This episode is also brought to you by Thin Vine Wines. Thin Vine Wines is a family-owned small-batch winery that proudly supports first responders, veterans, as well as cancer survivors and fighters. If you order from Thin Vine Wines, $2 of each bottle sold is donated to nonprofits which supports first responders, the military, cancer research, and disaster relief. And isn't that what we all want, to feel good about feeling good? Well, that's what Thin Vine Wines is all about. Well, in these crazy times, let the 10-8 podcast help you too. Now, when you order two or more bottles of wine, you use promo code 108, T-E-N, the number 8, to check out, and you get $10 off your order. Again, that's 108, T-E-N, the number 8, for $10 off two or more bottles of wine. And let me tell you, I just had their Thin Blue Vine on vacation, and it was amazing. So please, check them out at thinvine.wine. Then enjoy. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. your eyes inside of you inside a world inside a universe you didn't get to choose you didn't get to pick the rules or pick the past or set the pace or cast the cast and crew you didn't get to pick your starting place and though it was a race you didn't understand you simply lined up on the blocks and when the pistol popped you ran and when you tripped and dropped you picked yourself up off the ground and picked your scabs and knew you had to pick a plan to end what you began as you got older, there were days of cold surrender, days of shrugged whatever's folded in with days of shocking splendor. But as time advanced, the lovely days were covered up from view by an advancing melancholy haze that hovered near the dew. Yet there were moments, there were these pure arresting moments when you stepped outside your head, outside your pain, outside control, outside the bullshit, out of body, out of rage, outside the need to get it, get it, you will never get it, that's okay. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to episode number nine of the 108 Podcast. My guests today come from the great state of Connecticut, and I say the great state of Connecticut, but if you've ever been there, that's an oxymoron, I'm sorry. Anyway, one has 17 years of service as a police officer and is currently serving as a police sergeant, and the other has 18 years of service in public safety, in EMS and dispatch, and five years in the military as a medic. With their powers combined, they run Project 109, an organization founded on the principle of giving first responders and their families the help they need and ending the stigma regarding first responders and mental health. Now, we're going to dive into that in just a few, but I wanted to start off the episode by once again welcoming you and thanking you for tuning in. I hope you guys had a great holiday weekend, uh, that you ate a lot, you drank a lot, and you bought a lot of merch in my merch store. Hey, hey. Um, if you're listening for one more day, use the code Black Friday, get 30% off everything in the store. The link is in my bio. Go to the Instagram, 108 underscore memes, in the bio, merchandise, when you check out Black Friday, 30% off. Now listen, you're here listening to this podcast because you obviously find some kind of value or benefit into this product. Uh, you may find my dry sense of humor and goofiness charming, 
You may find some sort of insight in my guess in our topics, or maybe you just showed up here by accident because you took the wrong turn at Albuquerque and you were really looking for the Street Cop podcast. Whatever it is, you're here, and I'm happy that you are. But before we get into our interview, I want to throw out just an idea. For people that don't know me personally, which is most of the people listening, I'm generally very humble, very humble person. I'm not one of these big, boisterous people that brag about everything they do. Uh, sometimes, and this is my own personality flaw, is I'm humble to the point of being self-deprecating. But one thing that I am always proud of, or at least when my brain cooperates, is the work I do. Now, I know the proverb goes, pride goeth before the fall. And while that's absolutely true, and I'll talk about what being too proud causes in a moment, you need to take pride in your work for multiple reasons as a law enforcement officer. First off, um, and I've covered this at length in the past, is you need to show up. You need to put your best foot forward for the victim or the reporting party, whoever it is. And I know that we can get annoyed that it's just a stolen cell phone or another car break, or maybe it's just a minor hit and run. And I know that you don't get to run after cars and chase guns on the street while you're busy taking these reports. But to that person that called and needed your assistance, it's a devastating event. I try to remember not being a cop. When my cell phone got stolen, my car got broken into, or my car got rear-ended at a red light, how pissed, how scared, how vulnerable I was, or how I felt at least. Now, I'm not saying we have to stop everything, hug the victim, you know, sing kumbaya, play a little guitar, and all that stuff. No, you know, I'm not saying we need to get too invested. It's still a job. But, at least put together a quality investigation. Don't just rush through it so you can go do the next thing. And furthermore, if you're on a special unit and you're throwing together like an operation plan or something special, special unit, uh, it needs to be squared away. And if you want to, that's if you want to stay on the unit or if you want to move up in your career, you, you know, you need to take pride. You need to put together quality product. Now, if you're in some podunk agency, you have like two officers and, and a cow and you don't know what a specialized unit is, just, I don't know, put your fingers in your ears and start humming the theme to Sanford and Son during that part of the episode because you just, you won't get it. Sorry. Um, the point is you need to put together a good product. It is beneficial to your career and is beneficial to the community we serve. And it's so easy for cops to be lazy. And I never really understood that. I didn't think it was going to be true when they were saying in the academy cops are lazy. I didn't get it. But it actually is. It's so easy to cut corners, get the job done by cutting corners. You're still going to get paid, yet you're still providing a terrible service to the community. And I hear it all the time doing follow-ups or I'll or hear citizens walk by on, you know, and give me complaints and they go, "Well, the other cop didn't do this or this or that. Now, I'm not God's gift to police work. This is just stuff that I've learned from personal experience. People have, you know, told me that I didn't do things. So, I'm learning it, so I'm passing it on to you guys so you don't do it. Oh, and real quick, I need to address this too. If you get if you get a good catch, right? Um, let's say you, you get into a car chase, you get the bad guy, you know, a little footy chase, you know, whatever, hopping walls, good stuff. So you catch the bad guy, you put him in cuffs, put him in your car, go to the station, write your report, send him to jail, done. That's it. Maybe you'll get accommodation. Maybe your buddy will buy you coffee. Maybe 
you know, maybe something good will come after it. Maybe they won't. But guess what? You're getting paid on Friday. That's good. Right? Don't be on scene talking a big and bad game to the guy in cuffs being like, oh, you thought you got away. Ha <laughs> ha. Or, you know, you didn't see me coming or, you know, whatever. Don't don't be stroking yourself off to the bad guy. I say bad guy, but to the guy you caught. And, and you know, don't be ne- you know next to him with your guys and being like, did you see that tackle? Did you see that pit? Come on, guys. Be professional. And yes, it's all good to talk about good catches. Like, oh, you see what Mickey got? Oh, he got 35,000 pounds of, of, I don't know, bath salts. But if you're the guy walking around and you're just high-fiving yourself, you're the clown of the week. Anyway, to summarize, be proud of the work you do, but not so proud that you're either an arrogant bastard or acting like a tool. Balance. That's what I say almost every episode. We need balance. Not a hard concept. Anyway, I just had to get that out there. I like to give some insight into police work without giving too much away in the beginning of the episode. So there you go. Stay tuned. Coming up next, George and Stephanie from Project 109. It's an amazing interview, and you're going to like it. We are the lonely, lost, and rejected. We are the tossed and disconnected. Outcasts of a world that passed us by We are the shattered, we are the bruised We are the broken down and used We're the last of the true believers with the midnight eyes Or we could say that this is love A million times it wouldn't be enough So take All right, and I am back, and joining me now with Project 109 is Stephanie and George. What's going on, guys? Nothing. Living the dream. How are you? Another damn oh, paradise. not too bad. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, Just today, uh, fall decided to come to Florida, so I'm all bundled up here. It's like roughly 50 degrees, and I'm dying, so it's a, it's a little <laughs> chillier here in paradise. It's a little warmer here than it is by you, just so you know that. <laughs> really? But I'm sure, yeah, you like know, 65. you guys are. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, that's It poured its tail off today with wind, something fierce, like hurricane level stuff. And then all of a sudden you walk outside and it's humid as all hell. It feels like summer. That's crazy because it was the exact opposite this morning and yesterday. It rained like crazy. And then I went outside and it was cold. So I don't know. I can't can't figure out this weather anymore. Well, we will gladly trade places with you. No, no, no. I'm good. I'll take a, a you know a one month <laughs> winter over over that. I listen. I spent a year in Connecticut, and that was more than enough. The weather up there is. I mean, I grew up in New Jersey, but the weather up in Connecticut was totally something different. Yeah, right. we're yeah. on our own planet. Yeah, exactly. Like they always say that if you don't like the weather in Florida, give it five minutes. But in Connecticut, it's like no, just it's always cold and windy and and wet and. <laughs> 
I didn't think that being three hours more north than where I grew up was going to be that big of a difference. And it was completely different. And where I went to school, the way like I my dorm was between two tall buildings. So it was like a wind tunnel. And like <laughs> that January, February wind in Connecticut was just insane. Oh, yeah. It, you'd be sitting there and uh, next thing you know, as you round a corner and you, you're blindsided by uh, by a wind wind gust right to the face. And you're going, why? Why am I here? Yeah. Why, Lord? Yep, exactly. Yep. And I would be bundled. I remember there was a good stretch of time, probably January, February, where I would like triple layer my clothing. And you would think that I was going to like somewhere in Alaska to like fish or something. But no, I was just going to class. Just too cold. <laughs> All right. So um, I've talked about Project 109 more than a handful of times on my Instagram, on the podcast. Um, but now is our chance to get to know the, the soup and nuts, all the good stuff that you guys bring to the table. So we'll start with who you guys are and we'll kind of go from there. So go ahead and uh, this is your chance to introduce yourselves. Tell us where you come from, what your, what your resume is like, and, and we'll kind of roll from there. So uh, I'm George Franick. Uh, I, my wife and I started Project 109. I am a 17-year veteran of a local police department in Connecticut. Uh, we are the ninth largest in the state. I'm currently a sergeant uh, forced to day shift, so I really cannot complain. Um, <laughs> but uh, I got eight years to retire, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, uh, no one is looking more forward to his retirement than me, I think. I, uh, with this climate, I'm pretty done being a police wife at this point, but, uh, I am Stephanie, George's faithful sidekick. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I have 18 years total in public safety. I grew up in the police department. My mom was a detective my whole life. Um, most of my experiences with commercial EMS, uh, in our capital city, that was an adventure and a half. Um, and then I transitioned down to dispatch and 911 communications, which I actually fell in love with. And uh, I did a quick five-year stint in the military as a medic concurrent in the middle of all that. So um, we're definitely a public safety family. And, you know, we, we both come from kind of the, the family roots that speak to this and um, giving back to the community. And that's kind of our jam, which is why we have Project 109. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, George, you said you had 17 years on? Yes. Yep. Okay. And during your time your 17 years, what are some of the things that you did or have done? So uh, most of my career has been spent in patrol. Uh, for four years, I was a school resource officer. I was part of our serious traffic accident reconstruction team, field training officer, uh, head advisor for our police cadets. Um, quite a quite a variety of things. Uh, for a little bit, a firearms instructor uh, with the department. Mm -hmm. And so between the both of you, um, Obviously, with the EMS experience, and now you're talking, you know, you've worked fatal accidents, and you've definitely seen your fair share of all this, all the stuff, all the, all the things that would cloud a first responder's mind and kind of stay with them. I like to say it's like scar tissue on the brain, you know, it just kind of stays there. And we're going to talk about that in depth in just a moment. But, um, you know, you, you talked about the reason you started, or one of the reasons you started Project 109 being, um, wanting to give back to the community. So you can you kind of go through and say how you guys went from public service to wanting to start 109 and how it was born, basically? 
Yeah. So the lieutenant and my one of the lieutenants in my husband's department, unfortunately, took his own life um, in October of 2019. And, you know, we always kind of said it was one thing to see the sad posts with the blue line and, you know, the morning banners over the badges and stuff from various departments across the country. And it's, you know, oh, well, we wish this wouldn't happen anymore. This is super sad. I feel so bad for that family and the department. And, you know, you mourn it for about five minutes and then let's face it, you keep scrolling. But when it happened, like in our own house, in our own backyard, um, in our own department, familially, it just, it hit a whole new level of reality. Um, Mm -hmm. so after kind of going through like my husband and and the other officers going through the mourning process of the loss of this Lieutenant. And then as a wife from my standpoint and having been in in public safety myself, it was such a strange place because it brings the mortality of your own spouse into really, really scary, sharp focus. Um, and so when we had attended this Lieutenant's funeral on the way home, we got into the truck and it was kind of like, who was going to talk first? Um, but we ended up just really talking the whole way home about our own PTSD issues and our own struggles with our career and whatnot. And through our own stuff and our own just emotional crap over the years, what resources we would have loved to have had. And, you know, kind of if we could have a one-stop shop, what would it look like? And we kind of fantasized about it for like the 30 minute ride home about what exactly would we want to have? Why would we want to have that? And we really painted this picture of this really like bang up organization that would just have it all a one-stop shop, soup to nuts, everything that you needed right there, free of charge, no questions asked, zero barriers, no risk of breaking confidentiality or losing careers or anything like that. Just straight up getting on the bandwagon of like healing and getting through this storm that public safety creates in us. Um, And by the time we got out of the truck, it was, you know, well, there's no way we'll ever have money for that. So hopefully someone gets smart and creates it at some point, but it won't be us. Um, And that was October of 2019. And by March of 2020, um, things started falling into place. Mysterious things started to happen where it was windfalls of money that we weren't expecting, tax returns we weren't expecting, things like that, where it was, holy crap, we Mm -hmm. could actually do this. Um, and so we just took right. the stimulus checks and all that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it, it really became a, uh, a labor of love for us um, and a, a way for us to heal and to help our community heal from the losses that it suffered um, the year prior. And we just kind of started. And mm-hmm. if anybody listening actually knows me personally, you'll know that I am pig headed and stubborn as hell. And if I have my Mm -hmm. mindset on something, I don't give up. And uh, that's pretty much what happened. I think I dragged my poor husband along and said, Hey, we're doing this, get on board or move over. So (laughs) um, that's kind of how it really came to be was, you know, start to finish. And here we are, we moved at warp speed, Mm -hmm. which was crazy, but we're up and running. That's good. That's good. They always say, you know, there's never a right time or a good time to make a big decision or a big jump. And I think that's, you know, exactly what you just said. You know, sometimes things happen and then you just got to roll with it. And before you know it, the snowball takes over and here we are. Also, your the story with your lieutenant, sorry to hear about the passing, very similar to something that happened with me. And it really put things into perspective for me as well. Um, about a year ago, actually, um, I don't want to say to the date, but we're very close to it. Uh, I was working patrol and a call came out. This was probably the most bizarre call just by the way it was dispatched. Um, It was a suicidal person call um, at one of our 
uh, one of our parks. So, you know, we don't know anything because at the time, me and a couple of squad mates, we were just doing uh, things on foot. So we weren't by the computer. We weren't reading the screen. And all it just said was suicidal person at this location uh, respond priority. So we just get in and, you know, you tell us to go, we're going. So we go, we get there. As we are getting there, we are finding out, you know, um, person on the beach, um, you know, and all these different particulars with it. Well, as we're coming on scene to the park, we see a police car. So we get out there and they said, you know, she's on the beach. So we rush down there. And by the time we get there, it's, it's unfortunately too late. Long story short, it ends up being a sergeant at one of a neighboring jurisdictions, um, finished her shift that day and, and unfortunately took her own life. And the way she went about, I guess she self-dispatched it almost. She had her MDT and everything. The same thing you said is, you know, it's one thing to see it on Facebook. It's one thing to hear about it in the news, but when it's, when it's home and you realize, oh no, this happens to us. Like, you know, it's, it's one thing if it's in someone else's house, but it's, it's here, it's tangible, totally puts it in a different perspective. So I think we're kind of, unfortunately, very similar in that, um, in that realm. So you mentioned that Project 109, one-stop shop. Can you kind of give us examples of what is it? What do you guys have? What, what do you guys offer? What, you know, what services do you provide? Yeah. So, um, we offer absolutely everything. Um, I don't think there's anything that anyone could walk through the door and say, Oh, well, you don't have this and I'd like to have that. Um, we do everything free of charge for the exception of the actual counseling aspect. And I'll cover that in a second, but we cover everything from faith-based wellness, um, and, and helping people establish faiths of their own choosing, um, holistic wellness, things like everything from, you know, the earthy crunchy stuff like Reiki and meditation, um, to like holistic nutrition, um, and, and fitness and things like that. Um, the meditation, the yoga, counseling. We have support groups that are peer-based as well as clinical. We have couples counseling, individual counseling, addiction support, um, full-blown peer teams. We've kind of accidentally created a regional peer team and it's worked out really well. We do critical incident stress debriefings and diffusings for our area departments for critical issues. We have retirement and separation support and social groups. So we do literally everything start to finish. Everything is free of charge. Um, or donation-based if people feel compelled. It comes out of uh, George's in, in my pocket at this point. Um, and, you know, we've really loved putting it all together, but we wanted the financial part to not be a barrier. So with the counseling aspects, people can use their private insurance um, that they have through the departments. If they don't have insurance or they don't have enough insurance or they're afraid to use their insurance for whatever reason, um, we do have funding to be able to pay like the self-pay rate to the counselor that we've partnered with so that they can get counseling no matter what. Um, our whole mission with creating all of these different resources was to make sure that there were zero barriers and that people could stand up and say, okay, I'm ready for the help. And they wouldn't be able to have an excuse standing in their way. That's really amazing. That's amazing. First off that you offer all these individual services. It's even more amazing that you make it at, you know, virtually free of charge. Like you said, there are some fees, but it's even more amazing that to cover it, you are, you're putting your own money out there. That's really amazing. So is this only available for people in Connecticut? Nope. So it started off that way. We were looking at, you know, really just taking care of 
our community um, in, in that moment or those moments. But it really kind of exploded out of nowhere, especially with, you know, 10-8's help sharing our stuff. We've gained a lot of followers. Um, we've partnered and been able to, to get in touch with a lot of really, really cool agencies actually worldwide, believe it or not, in the oh, UK wow. and Canada. Um, and so we are due to COVID, thankfully, I guess, sort of. It's very um, much been a blessing for yeah, us in COVID's, a lot of ways. COVID's worked out okay for us. Um, it, it wasn't in the beginning, and I, you know, we feel horrible for the, the agencies that it didn't do well with. But for us, it really pushed us to think outside the box and to step away from just the specificity of Connecticut and to really look at first responders across the globe, doesn't matter where you're from or, you know, what kind of position you have. It's we're here for our community and our community we thought was just Connecticut and it's not, it's, it's everybody. So we mm -hmm. are transitioning to a almost exclusively virtual platform. We will still have some in-person services for the people that need that in person, but we are moving to a virtual platform that's going to be actually dropping December 5th. So this coming Saturday, December 5th, um, is going to be, um, a place where people can log in and register using an email and password that they create. And they'll have total access to our, um, all of our virtual content, which will have all of the stuff that I mentioned, live stuff, pre-recorded stuff, blog level stuff, podcast things with our own podcast that we're going to be launching as well. And from there, um, people can log in and do it self-paced or on demand available 24 seven, anywhere, anytime. So the answer in short is we literally serve everybody, first responders and their families. That's awesome. Uh, it's that's absolutely amazing. It, the greatest thing that came from this COVID uh, pandemic is, I think, the revolutionizing or the I don't even know the right word, but all this um, cyber commuting, you know, because I'm sure a lot of what you're doing is through Zoom or similar portals. And, you know, it's great that you're able to use that. And, and it's I mean the possibilities and the positive impact is, it just sounds endless for you guys. That's amazing. It's worked out really well. I'm really surprised actually, but it, uh, it worked out. Okay. I mean, I had a lot of nights of just tears and total like despair and darkness on my own of this is never going to work. This is never going to take off. COVID has officially screwed us. Um, but it, it actually worked out by accident really well. And it was, I don't know if it was divine intervention or what, but it's, uh, it's doing really, really well. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I see you guys every time you post something, you know, um, you guys just had like a, a swap meet or something like that with, um, so you you had all those goods on a table or oh, something like that. Machine. Yep. We did a yes, holiday yeah. pop-up shop with our graphic designer and some other really cool first responder people that came in with their crafts and, it was actually a, a really huge success. I didn't, I truly didn't believe that it was going to be much of anything. I did it as more of a, I'm going to help, you know, our graphic designer out and our friends out who have helped us so much and really just give them a platform to kind of do their thing. And it actually did really, really well. And um, we're thinking of doing another one in, uh, later in the year, at the end of the year, depending on COVID, but we'll have to see how that goes. That's great. That's really cool. So my question is, you said that obviously you are tailored to first responders and their families. Do you require any kind of verification process to make sure someone is a first responder, as they say? Nope. So um, at this point, we still believe that there are honest and good people out there in the world. <laughs> and uh, we take it on the honor system. I don't care if you were, you know, in EMT class for five minutes and you did your ER time and you were scarred by, you know, a traumatic code that you saw. 
or if you've been, you know, a 50 year veteran of public safety who just couldn't walk away and everything in between. If if you've had your hands in public safety, fire police, EMS, corrections, animal control, dispatch, um, you're one of us and we'll take care of you for sure, along with um, immediate family members. So we don't deal with children directly. We do have resources that we can get um, families in need of like kids sources in touch. Um, but we uh, we deal with significant others, um, spouses, that kind of thing. We have a whole separate family program where, you know, they're all kind of in their little own community and we have our first responders in their own community so that there's no like cross pollination between the two. So everyone can really speak freely and feel, you know, free to process whatever they're dealing with. That's great. So you guys, I'm kind of going a little off script here, but, you know, just you talking and telling me what it's all about. It gave me some ideas. So obviously you guys provide all these different services. Are any of you, um, either of you, I should say, licensed therapists or something like that? Or do you work with different counselors and so on? So we have a variety of um, licensed professionals that have stepped up and volunteered. Everyone who's with our agency is a volunteer. Nobody takes a salary of any, client, of any kind, including myself mm. as the director. Um, so we've got uh, a couple of social workers and a licensed professional counselor. They do the uh, the more clinical-esque side of things. Um, so we do have fully licensed and, cred and credentialed professionals who handle that sort of thing. Um, all of our other stuff is peer-driven. So we have people who are peer certified, CIT certified, um, and a lot of the, the complementary classes through the ICISF organization who oversees the curriculum for critical incident stress debriefings and things. Um, so we do have people that have taken large volumes of classes um, with with certifications, but um, not necessarily to the licensing degree. So we do have a good mix of people who are well versed in in their own craft um, and fully qualified to do what they're doing. Very cool. So by this point of our conversation, I'm sure people are listening. Um, if they're like me, I'm listening and like just light bulbs are just going off like, oh, this is amazing. I could utilize this. I could do that. So, you know, what if on the, on the flip side, you're listening to some, you know, someone's listening to this and they're going, you know, I don't know the whole counseling thing. I'm, there's a stigma to it. I'm going to get labeled. Someone's going to find out. What do you say to someone who's hesitant about checking out what you have, or, you know, maybe they do need it, but they're hesitant about it. What, what would you say to kind of relax them and coax them into checking this out? Well, a lot of times too, there there's this self-imposed stigma, and I've had it, especially as a as a newer sergeant. Um, a lot of people don't know I've went and sought counseling. Um, I went and talked to a couple people before I found a good match. Um, the biggest thing is, it's incredible having a safe place where you can basically dump from your brain, all the stuff that's there and, and having that person know that it's, it's actually beneficial that you can go in and you can talk and, and work through so many different things that they should know that it's okay. And that it's actually a good thing to do. Um, especially for us in starting this, this has actually been very beneficial for us because working with our, our clinicians, we've, we've developed a very good re working relationship, but it's also one of those things where it's, you know, how can we improve? How can we do better? Um, and, and that's where we're coming from that frame of mind of, 
look, we've, we've done it. We've, we've walked through the Valley and we know what's in there. There's absolutely no reason that you can't know that I went through it and I went and talked to somebody. I have no problem sharing mm -hmm. that with someone. Um, the, the biggest thing is it's a huge help. Um, it's mm -hmm. also about, it's a, it's a conversation. That's yep. it. A lot of people put a lot of weight on the word counseling or the word therapist, um, or the word clinician, whatever part of the country that you're from. Um, people put so much weight on that word and they, they get themselves all spun up and panicked of, well, I can't talk to a counselor. I can go talk to my coworker, but there's no way in hell I'm talking to a counselor. Um, and there's this like stigma with the couch. Um, in particular, mm -hmm. that no one wants to sit on a couch. They can sit in a chair. They'll sit on, you know, a bench, but they will not sit on a couch. Um, and and I like to tell people who really are averse to the counseling aspect of it's just a conversation with another human who happens to be really smart in some different kind of things. Um, you know, don't intimidate yourself with counseling. Don't intimidate yourself with the thought of what it could be. Go in have a conversation, a single conversation. You don't ever have to go back if you're not comfortable and you can get up and leave at any time. Nobody's locked you in the room. Nobody's told you that you have to stay. You go in, you sit down and you say, hi, my name is, and I have some struggles or I have some difficulties or hi, my name is, and I don't want to talk to you. You know, you can be as honest as you need to be. That's your safe place, but give it a chance. I, I tell people all the time, it is just a conversation there's nothing to be afraid of i um about a year ago sought counseling for the first time i i noticed that i was having i was taking work home with me uh mentally and it just you know someone told me after one of our critical incidents that it was it was one of our department issued uh grief counselors or whatever um said you know we're okay or not that it's okay but it's natural to bring work home with you but after a while it needs to go away and if it doesn't that's when you need to see somebody um so you know so i sought counseling and i spoke to someone for a few times but the same thing when i was going into the door the first time i like you know you ever see the the videos of like the dog going into the vet and he's like pulling away that's yeah. how i was with myself like i did not want to go through that door and it's it's amazing though because once you go through it and, and sit and form a, a relationship with the other person, the therapist, you walk out and go, at least I did, where it was like, wow, I, I really should have done this a while ago. I really right. should have done this. And you have to find the right therapist too. Cause like I've had therapists over the years and like some of them just totally sucked. And, you know, they just like to sit there and, and ask me repeatedly, like, and how does that make you feel? I'm like, well, it makes me feel like crap. How do you think it makes me feel? But, right, right. you know, that's not always the best counselor. And some people do really well with that, where they get the question thrown back at them. Other people do better with more practical methods of trying to help you fix things. So it's also important to do a little bit of research about what kinds of th therapists and counselors are out there. Um, there's various types of counseling, and not everyone is right for every person. So people can also take a little bit of solace in the fact that they can also go on and do some Googling themselves and to discover what's really out there and to do some research on therapists that offer those particular things or methods that speak to them. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so there's, there's ways to kind of take it really into your own hands and take control. Cause a lot of times people are terrified because they feel like they're out of control when they're sitting with a counselor, cause they don't know what's coming next. But if you do some research on your own in your own private time, you can, you can, 
preemptively, you know, get rid of some of the anxieties um, and make yourself feel more comfortable where you're more in control walking into that therapist's office for the first time. My therapist is, it took me forever to find like the perfect therapist. And, and I did at one point and um, she's actually the, the clinician that we've um, affiliated ourselves with. Um, and I, she was my therapist years ago and she is absolutely the greatest thing on the planet, but I can't use her because she's our affiliate and it's a conflict of interest. So mm-hmm. I had to go find another one and, and it took me a little while to cycle through. It's, it's a, it it's can a be a pain. It's, it's definitely a process. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely worth it. And I think another issue that a lot of first responders may have definitely police officers and, and military, um, th- they definitely stick out a little bit more than other first responders is you go to a uh, therapist counselor, whichever word you want to use. And you're talking about a critical incident and this guy, girl, um, is an academic and they'll say something and it always gets me when they're like, well, I understand. Like, do you though? Like you don't understand the shooting. (laughs) If I was involved in an officer involved shooting and they say, I understand. Do do you like when in, in all these times that you're getting all these certificates, did you have to shoot somebody? And I feel like with your service, since you know, you guys are, have been on that side of the line, you definitely do understand. We've cultivated some of what we feel to be like the greatest of the greatest um, as far as, you know, the the volunteers that we have involved and the, the, the people that those who come through the door will be talking to and working with. Um, we've really vetted these people ourselves and this is our public safety community and and some of our volunteers like we've worked with and we're coworkers with even still. Um, but others are, you know, more in the licensed professional realms, like we talked about before, mm-hmm. like we've really put our homework into these people to make sure that they really are the best of the best. You're never going to sit down and get the question of, okay, so let's start with the worst call you've ever had. Mm-hmm. The minute you hear that, you should get off that couch and hightail it out the door because that's not quality. Um, you know, we've worked really hard at cultivating the best of the best professionals here in our region to be able to start the ball rolling. And, and we're hoping to be able to, to grab onto some people who are scattered throughout the nation who can do the same thing on our virtual platform too. Right. That'd be great. Another benefit to the cyber aspect that you were talking about. So when you have somebody who's listening to this, a first responder, um, what point, at what point would you tell someone that's not feeling quite right to seek help? You know, like you obviously, I don't know. I'll, I'll just leave the question at that. If someone's not feeling right, what would you say to them if they're still kind of, you know, I don't, or they'll say, oh, you know, I can handle this. I got it. Like, what would you say to them? I would start by educating them um, about what cumulative stress is and what anxiety is and what PTSD is. Um, because a lot of people don't know they'll they'll struggle through and say you know oh well, i haven't slept right in weeks or you know i just i'm not eating or i'm eating too much i'm working out all the time i can't get out of the gym um people don't realize that those are components to cumulative stress and that even subtle signs and symptoms that actively affect people's lives and they realize it's affecting them but they don't quite realize that it, it's a piece of a bigger issue um I would just educate them on exactly what cumulative stress can look like and what it, it, I guess the non-conventional ways that it can present itself that you won't find, you know, on the, the little thumbnails that Google produces <laughs> with, you know, the six marker symptoms and, oh, well, I don't have flashbacks. I don't have panic attacks and I'm not 
homicidal against my wife. So I don't have PTSD. Um, you know, there's, there's so many other components to it that really do speak to that cumulative stress aspect. And there's, there's things that should be solved and taken care of. And it's also important to, to let people who are struggling know that their version of trauma is not going to be the same version of trauma of their coworker or their neighbor or their best friend or their parent. Trauma is individual to everybody. So what may be traumatic to one person may or may not be traumatic to another person. And their responses are, are very, very, very different. So I try to tell people, don't compare yourself to others. Mm -hmm. So don't look at Joe Schmo, who's in roll call sitting six seats away from you, who's just a pile of anxiety and crying all the time and he's out getting wasted every day just because you're not doing those things or you are doing those things doesn't mean that you're any better off than than that person it's it's important to take your own mental health as your individual self and only compare yourself to you um don't compare yourself to others because that's where people get tripped up so if you're not feeling right or you know that something's off or you don't feel like you have the same interest in the stuff that you used to you're not sleeping as well you're fighting with your spouse all the time or your kids you're not eating or you're eating too much you're going to the gym not enough or too much like those are all simple signs of it's time to reach out to somebody and at least start the conversation and you can always bail at any time there's nothing saying you're now obligated um so if you feel at all like you're struggling even a little bit, it's completely okay. Give yourself the permission to look into your own mental health in, and be your own advocate in whatever way makes you comfortable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and back to something George said before, um, just going in maybe one, you know, a handful of sessions and you come out of that, that, that session. And for me, it just feels like the weight was lifted off. Like the one hour I spent with the, with the doctor, it felt like it was 10 minutes. I felt like I was talking to someone I knew and it just, it rejuvenated me completely. Like I, I felt like a totally 100%. different person. I, I, and I, I would agree with that sentiment because when I walked into, into the office, it felt like there was a Mack truck sitting right above my shoulders. And then, you know, walking out, I, I felt that weight relieved. Mm -hmm. And there was this, you know, it was almost a, a week that I would go before my next appointment where it was like, all right, I'm, I'm doing good. Like I feel better. And the next appointment I felt better, but it was also that same token is it was like talking to a friend. Mm -hmm. It was a good match. Um, and that's also very important. You, you gotta have that match. Um, you know, Steph had even said it, you know, I cycled through a few people and it was not a good match and it was, all right, you know what? we're all good. I'm going to go find somebody else. Um, I was very fortunate. It was an EAP counselor employee mm -hmm. assistance uh, program offered through my department. Um, and the organization that he was affiliated with in Connecticut, even in my own department, people would sit there and go, Oh, them, why would you go to them? Well, I found probably the best therapist I've ever talked to. Mm -hmm. um, give them a shot. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it all kind of goes full circle. Like, I, you know, to go back to saying, oh, I don't think I have PTSD, which maybe I don't, but I knew that I was having these anxious thoughts regarding work. And so, you know, I was looking at people in my department who former military, they do have PTSD, you know, they're very open about it. They talk about their struggles. And I was like, oh, well, 
my struggles are nowhere near as bad as his. So I have no right to seek counseling because I'm obviously not that bad. And obviously what Stephanie just said is no, you can't compare yourself to him, her, whoever. You have to take each individual thing that you're going through and take care of it. Just like your physical health, if you have something going wrong, well, you know, my cough isn't as bad as Joey's. So I'm not going to go seek, you know, a doctor because my cough isn't that bad. No, same thing mentally as you would physically. The hard part too is, is unfortunately it's been deemed mental illness and that's the label that's out there. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have PTSD to struggle. You can have all the precursors. You can have all the weight and the crap that's in that trash can that resides in your brainstem that leads to PTSD. You know, it, it's a lead up. It's not always like an end result. that's the problem. But the, the issue with society right now is that everybody says, oh, well, mental illness, mental illness awareness, PTSD is such an illness. It, it's, it's not. It's a mental injury. Mm-hmm. And our community mm-hmm. of public safety needs to realize that just like, you know, taking a round to the shoulder, now you need surgery and, you know, physical therapy to get you back to the road. It, it's like getting your bell rung real hard. Your brain gets scrambled for a minute and you need a, you need some time to unscramble it and put it back together um, to then, you know, be able to press on in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. So we need to really take a step back and stop calling it an illness and start calling it what it is. It's an injury. And in a lot of parts of the country, I would hope all of the country at some point, but parts of the country, workers comp covers PTSD as a workplace injury. There's a reason for that because it is, it's an injury. It's no different than taking around or breaking your leg or twisting your ankle um, it's, it's an injury. It's, it's a by, an unfortunate byproduct of the career and the profession that we've all chosen, but it, it's an injury and it needs to be handled as such and looked at that way. So for some people, maybe framing it that way makes it a little less intimidating. Yeah, absolutely. Or, um, we about, I want to say about a year ago, my department started a mental health task force, um, I don't really know where they're standing at the moment, but I remember them saying very similar to what you're saying about mental illness versus injury. But they said, you know, we're not going to call it mental illness. We're going to call it mental wellness. Make sure you're okay mentally. So same idea. Um, it just, you know, the, the illness or, you know, all the negative light that comes to mental health is just so unfortunate that, you know, we're kind of backlogged with all the ne- negativity that now we're kind of playing catch up to make sure that everyone's okay. Cause gone are the days where, you know, everyone just kind of bottles it up and sticks it. No, it's, it's okay. It doesn't make you any less of a tough guy or a hardworking employee or, you know, a good officer to get this stuff out and make sure you're doing well. So, yeah, I mean, you have to, and some of the, the most hardened coworkers you'll ever have have cried some of the hardest tears when they go home and mm-hmm. they just do it in silence. Yeah. Just because you don't see it happening doesn't mean that it's not happening. And you can, you can be the most Billy badass level responder with a badge handling everything like a boss and still feel messed up or broken or dark or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of people look at George and I and say, and I've literally had people walk up to me and go like, oh my God, you've made such huge strides and such a transition because, you know, you used to be in such a dark place. Like, what did you do to get all your ducks in a row? 
And I look at them and I'm like, honey, my ducks are barely in the same waterway, much less a row. Like I'm lucky to have them all in the same pond where I can see them with binoculars. Like uh-huh. at no point will George and I ever stand up and say like, yep, we've got our crap together a hundred percent. You know, George and I still struggle. I have major depression issues that I'm coming to terms with. And, you know, I've got the panic attacks and that, um, that constant threat assessment wherever I go. And mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. And, you know, George, I'll let him speak for himself, but he struggles too. Yeah. And it, and it's all from work. It's unfortunate panic attacks, uh, typically, you know, at night, right before going to bed, it's always great when I'm waking my beautiful wife up from a sound <laughs> sleep and, uh, she's going, Oh my God, somebody's breaking in. It's, no, it's just me here having a panic attack. We're good. Just nothing hyperventilating. To nothing to see here, folks. But that's, that's also the whole point too to why we we were so motivated to to get 109 up and moving is because you know I've had a very successful career I I still love my job given everything going on with the world but the same token is when I first got on it was kid pull yourself up by the bootstrap and go on to the next call well we need to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure that still goes on in other places. However, we have younger generations who are coming on who are much more in tune with their own wellness. They're pretty fortunate. I wish I was as in tune with myself because when I first got on, it was, well, the senior guy's telling me to buck up, so I guess I better. Well, if I had good coping skills or I had good ideas before these traumatic events, I'd be in a whole different place. Mm-hmm. And that's also part of our, our job with 109 is to also bring awareness. It's setting yourself up for success so that way you can enjoy the hell out of retirement. Right. We just don't, we don't just deal with like current responders who are already struggling. We deal with like brand spanking new, still wet behind the ears, fresh out of the academy responders that haven't encountered you know, the, the rough parts and the dark parts of the career yet. We work with them to help them start the healthy, healthy coping mechanisms and to develop the healthy, the, the, the healthy skills to manage all of this stuff ahead of time so that they don't end up at the, you know, halfway point or the end of their career going, Oh my God, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a twofold piece. It's, it's important for the academies to really teach this stuff. Um, but even potential police officers, um, current officers, potential officers that struggle with, you know, mental health issues or mental injury issues or depression and stuff. It's important to develop healthy coping mechanisms as soon as you notice that there's something off or that there's going to be an imminent struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to step into that and take control of, of your own like destiny for lack of a better term. The, your career is what you make of it. And the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And that's not just the more calls you respond to and the faster you get there. It's the more you put into yourself, the more you're going to get out of it for yourself. And it's not all about just pouring from an empty pitcher anymore. Yep, absolutely. We, I mean, you know, I'm thinking about as you're talking, I started the academy and they were kind of bringing into this philosophy, you know, telling us, you know, don't bottle things up. You know, when you start 
seeing your mental health slip or whatever, you know, stay on top of it, so on. But I was already at the point, you know, I was in the academy when I was 24, 25. But growing up, I was just always that kid. I just bottled everything up. And I knew, you know, in my teen years, that wasn't how it was supposed to go. But that was just me, you know. Um, So now I still struggle with that because at work, I'm very, well, work, personal life, I try to compartmentalize everything. And like what happens at work stays at work in the work box. And then I go home and, and I like open up the, the home box. And then when I go back to work, I put everything back in there. And, you know, that's obviously it's it's been good for a little while. But then suddenly you start seeing stuff from the work box get put in the home box and suddenly yep. get all the issues that, you know, you and, and George were just talking about, you know, close my eyes and I see work. I see things that happen at work and it's like, ah. That's so what I don't know when uh, when you start dealing with something like that, because I know a lot of people that I've talked to, they do that. They do the compartmentalizing thing. What would you suggest or how are some ways can you suggest to not do that? So uh, unfortunately, the, the work box tends to get filled up pretty quick and then it kind of bleeds over into other boxes. And I'm, I'm 100 percent guilty of that. Um, it wasn't until probably about three years ago, uh, I was working as a school resource officer and my fiance, now wife at the time, who's sitting next to me, uh, basically had told me, George, you are absolutely miserable. What the hell is going on? And, and we need to have a talk. And I said, look, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm miserable. It was through the conversation with her. It was, well, it's, it's work-related stuff. All right. So one way that that she helped me was to develop a hobby, which was photography. Um, she bought me a camera uh, and that was a good release. You're welcome, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's also a lot of a lot of things that happen at work. We have to be able to also talk to our significant other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they understand it. Sometimes they don't. But that's also where where we come from with 109 is trying to help the first responder couple or family process these things. But the same token, too, is having good hobbies, having friends that are outside of the job, um, being able to have your time away and decompress uh, is is of the utmost importance. Mm-hmm. Doing the doing the self check in and say, all right. Am I okay? Am I feeling good? Even having the conversation, which can sometimes be difficult, where it's, hey, I'm just not feeling right. Have you noticed anything to your significant other? And having an honest conversation, having communication, it's important. Because my wife picks up on stuff long before I ever notice it. And she's like, no, really, you're, you're acting like an asshole. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm good. No, really, you're, you're, you're being an asshole. Let, let's have a little chat. The other thing too, um, with the compartmentalization that, that I, I think I've preached this to like everybody in Connecticut who's listened to us so far. So I will offer it to the nation now. <laughs> um, the, the biggest thing is when, when we come into adulthood and we start making decisions on our own, we have a garbage can that's about an inch tall and it lives in the center of our brain. And that's where we put all the crap that we accumulate through the day. And unfortunately the garbage truck comes around once a week and we have to figure out how to make that work. So we make it work for a really long time, but then we find careers, regardless of what kind of career it is, public safety a little more than everybody else, but 
that garbage can starts being forced to become bigger. And so instead of taking up a one square inch section inside your brain, now it's taking up a 40 yard dumpster inside of your brain. And you now go from having like the run of your skull to play around and dance around your garbage can. Now you only have like a centimeter of space around that 40 yard dumpster to survive and to function. And that's when things start bleeding over because there's now no longer room for just one compartment or two compartments or three compartments. Now there's just room for the big box. And it's the big box of doom and gloom and crap. And, and it's really hard because you have to empty it at some point. You have to get rid of it at some point so that you can then go back to compartmentalizing and slowly paring down so that you then only have that one square inch garbage can. And the analogy that I like to use is, um, I think it's being used in other platforms as well, but it's not mine. I'm, I'm borrowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, you get like a big metal bucket, like a galvanized bucket, and it's got holes at the bottom. And there's water in the bucket, and the water is pouring out of the holes in the bottom of this bucket. And you have to keep the bucket halfway full. There's like a red line drawn with a marker around the outside of the bucket, and you have to keep the water level at that line. And the problem is, if you don't have enough water going in, you're never going to be able to keep it full enough to match the pace of the water going out and to exceed that. And that's that's that pouring from an empty cup. That's that pouring from an empty pitcher. Mm-hmm. You only have so much water. And that water, that is your self-care. That is your ability to function. That is the essence of who you are. That is your soul, really, at the end of the day. So you need to have a big-ass hose going into the top of that bucket to match the amount of holes. And that bucket may not have a bottom, and that's okay. And there's just water pouring out, but you need a really, really big hose, like a huge couple of fire hoses tucked in there to just make sure that there's enough water going in to accommodate for the water going out to keep you at that midline level. And it's different for everybody. Some people have pinholes. Some people, like I said, have no bottom to their bucket and everything in between. It's important to know where you're at and to be able to ensure that you're keeping that bucket full enough because that is that is your level of self-care. That is how well you are caring for yourself. You cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot pour from an empty pitcher. It doesn't work that way. So it's, it's important to make sure that you have that work-life self-care versus giving you pieces of you away at work. You have that balance intact. And to regain that control of that compartmentalization in a healthy way, you need to empty out that 40 yard dumpster and start turning it back into like the teeny tiny one square inch that really takes up that much of your brain. Um, And it's easier said than done. It is a process, but it's something that people need to really kind of think about and take some self inventory and be aware of to at least get the ball rolling to start emptying that stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as we get further along in our career, I can tell you that I'm kind of at that point right now and I'm still very new. Um, you know, five years on, it's very important that self-care, everything that you're talking about, and it's so easy to not, you know, you, you get off work, you get your two to three days off a week or whatever your schedule might be. Well, now your phone's blowing up with, oh, you know, you didn't submit this form that you needed. Uh, your sergeant's checking in on you saying, hey, you've got court tomorrow. You know, your phone just starts blowing up. But I think it's so important in order to keep the, the water hose kind of in the right ratio, you've got to know how to disconnect from that. Even if it's for a couple hours a day or something, you know, your days off or your days off. And I think so many people, especially the younger we are, um, we forget that we either load up that plate with some overtime or, or, you know, 
off-duty details or we're, we're quick to respond on the phone to whoever needs our assistance because we, you know, this day and age, everyone's got their phone in their hand 24 hours a day anyway. Yep. yep. But like you said, it's it's just so easy to get, you know, drawn back into work on your time off. But just exactly like you said, no, you know, take care of you. And I, I said it um, last week, you know, if anything happens to you, your help wanted ad is going to be out before your obituary. So you need to take care of you first. Yep. Your job will be posted before your obituary. Well, your, your department will take out the Ouija board and make sure to communicate with you and ask you if you're coming into work the next day. <laughs> right, right. Unfortunately, that is that's too true. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll go with that. How, you know, if we have some people listening that are more on the administrative side, how can departments handle mental health? How can they make sure that their officers and their, you know, whoever their first responder might be, how can they alter their work environment to make things better in the realm of mental health? Honestly, create an environment that isn't toxic. Now that's a hundred percent oxymoronic, especially with police departments and climate. However, all first responder departments. Yeah. (laughs) The, the biggest thing is it, it goes a very long way when the chief is checking in on the troops or the captain. Mm-hmm. Um, having an open door policy uh, when things are going wrong, that officers can come in and, and say, look, chief, captain, I got this going on at home and not be judged or not automatically go to disciplining them, trying to get mm-hmm. them forced out you really have to know your officers or your EMTs or your troops. Don't perpetuate an environment that makes them feel like stepping up and asking for help or saying, Hey, I need a mental health day. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't make them feel like that's going to be an automatic career ender. Allow people to take a mental health day as a sick day and not demand a doctor's note. But also on the flip side, it's important to genuinely care about our people. Um, But education too. I mean, education training, I I hate to beat the horse with, with the education side of things because Lord knows there's enough training classes that people, you know, go into zombie mode to get through the death by PowerPoint, but really create a conversation more than anything, have an open conversation, have command staff be open about their own stuff so that patrolmen don't feel like they're alone. The other thing too Mm -hmm. is, for for admin to be open to constructive criticism it's important not just to have the staff meeting with your upper echelon people but it's important to have your meetings with your your low level guys because when there's a disconnect it, it breeds problems mm-hmm. uh, absolutely just to be to be heard make sure that yeah. everybody is feels that they're heard. I've worked for a dispatch center that they had like quarterly staff meetings where staff could like talk directly to the director of communications, like, like the, basically the president of the organization. And there was no issue with rank or anything. I mean, there was respect hundred percent amongst the ranks. Don't get me wrong, but like people could talk openly and, and their, their opinions, their thoughts, their concerns were taken under advisement and actually like acted on. So it made the organization feel as though they were being heard and that they were valid. And I think that's one of the more important things mm-hmm. is for departments to really give credence to like what their people are saying. 
just because it's a patrolman saying it doesn't give it any less weight than if a captain were to say the same thing. Yeah. And, and sometimes the, the word from the troops, the word from the, from the boots on the ground is almost more authentic and more actually the truth as opposed to what you'll hear from another uh, administrator. So, you know, if the guys are saying, Hey, this is what the work environment's like. Well, I would believe that 10 times more than the captain who only sees it maybe nine to five Monday through Friday. So I think you're absolutely right. And furthermore, uh, you hit on another good point. Um, You know, if someone says, Hey, you know, something's not right. Need a mental health day, you know, got some issues going on at home, whatever it might be for administration or supervisors, even if it's line supervision to be like, all right, cool. Just take a day, go take care of yourself because we need to remember exhaustion is a form of illness. Mm -hmm. Depression is a form of illness. These are all different things that, you know, should fall. And, and hopefully they do to the people I'm listening to should fall under, Hey, you need a day, go ahead. Um, and here's, here's the part that I was thinking when you were saying this, like, but this could be very easily abused. And it's very, if I say to a supervisor or anyone says to a supervisor, Hey, I need a mental health day. Well, that doesn't mean I'm going to go sit in an, you know, in a, in a counseling office that might mean, Hey, I need to go out on the boat. I need to go fishing or, Hey, I need to go play with my kids. Don't judge me because that's how I'm decompressing. But on the same flip side, we can't have cops go, Oh, I need a mental health day. And then just do it for the sake of doing it. You know what I mean? There has to be some honesty and, and, and genuine, concern for ourselves without exploiting the system. The same token too, though, is as, as a supervisor, though, the supervisors who are having guys or, or girls come up to them and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm having a bad day. I want to take a mental health day. All right, cool. But then they also need to check in on them. They also need mm-hmm. to just make mm-hmm. sure, Hey, is there anything that I can do for you? Create an environment that is caring and genuine. And then you'll have I can't say no issues, but less of a propensity for people to abuse abuse it because you'll have that little bit of a guilt factor where it's like, oh, my sergeant's going to be super nice. He's going to check in on me and stuff. And, and he's going to be, you know, on me about like, you know, my well-being and asking questions. And and it's not like snooping or anything like that or a HIPAA violation. It's just like being genuinely nice and genuinely caring about your own people. Yeah. If they may not, it, once they realize that it's, it's genuine caring, they may not be so inclined keyword being so inclined to abuse it. You're always going to have the mm-hmm. people that are going to mm-hmm. take advantage of it. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, but, yeah, but you have to take people at their word because mental illness is so individual. It's not like you have a fever that can be measured with a medical tool and proof. right. You know, it's, you, and you also, you have to, you have to get ahead of it and, and take your mental health days. But employers also need to understand that taking care of your people now paying for a couple of sick days a year for mental health days is a hell of a lot cheap, cheaper than paying for like inpatient mental health stuff and long-term yeah. medications and things to help manage um, the, the mental injuries that come from a 25 plus year career. You know, pay now, mm-hmm. pay later. You pay a little bit now or you pay a heck of a lot more later. Um, you know, it, it is a balancing act, unfortunately, and there is no perfect answer for everybody. But, I mean, people have to come to some level of a compromise. Cities, towns, municipalities, chiefs, unions, whatever. It, there has to be some level of give and take. And as soon as there there's more of that freed up where people feel like they're being heard, respected, cared for, cared about, 
there there may be a little less chronic cumulative stress to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like as we, and we, I mean, the more contemporary first responder community start to kind of flesh out in bigger numbers, I feel like we are going to start getting closer and closer to removing the stigma of mental health in our profession. But, and that will lead to, you know, the actual cities and unions and, and sheriff's departments, whatever agency you work for, building in mental health days with your sick leave or whatever else. So that way, you know, it's just part of the budget at that point and it's just going to become more and more normalized. And I really think that's not only the trend we need to go to, but I think that's the trend we're going to end up going to because it's just becoming, you know, it's not a secret anymore. You know, the, the mental right. health issues that come from our profession is real. It's not made up. It doesn't make you, like we said before, less of an officer or anything. It doesn't make you weak. It's real. It's here. So let's fix it. Exactly. Yep. The same token too, is you also have major medical health concerns, mm -hmm. heart disease, mm -hmm. high blood pressure, yep. diabetes. All of that is also a byproduct of stress and cumulative stress. If we do better at managing that stress level, we're healthier, which also can mean we're happier, which means we're happier employees which less, means we're going to work harder. Yeah. Less drinking, healthier eating, healthier habits. Like, you know, it's, there's statistics out there that, that say, you know, like 60 something percent. And my mom harps on me for this. It's the only reason I know it, but my mom's a retired detective. So she, she's 10 years retired now. And she's all panicked that, you know, I'm 10 years out and statistics say mm -hmm. I'm probably going to die from a heart attack, you know? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, well, eat healthy and, you know, do healthy things and you won't have these problems. And I know it's easier said than done, but it's, it's important for people to take care of themselves while they're in the career so that they can have a much longer, happier retirement out of the career. Yeah, absolutely. You know, health, it takes a toll on physical health, not just mental. Right, right. It's, it's all, we forget, you know, it's all connected to the same being, right? So if you're over, stressed or, or, you know, anxious or depressed or whatever, then like you're saying, you're going to overeat, you're going to overdrink. And then that's got the physical component. Yes. It's all connected. It's all, you know, and we just back to compartmentalizing, right. It's, you know, we think that the mental health is not going to affect the physical health, but come on, it, it's hand it in hand and 100%. for sure. So, um, I did have a couple people reach out about different things that were going on um, with them that they wanted me to bring up. Most of it we've covered. I just want to bring this up real quick. Yeah. Um, so you said about potential police officers or for potential responders. Um, but what if, like I said, I, you know, I had all this bottling that I would do, or what if you have someone who's dealt with mental health in the past, depression, uh, anxiety, things like that, but now they, they want to be a police officer. They want to be a firefighter, whatever it might be. But now they're kind of concerned because if it's only going to get worse as my career goes on, you know, and they're now concerned, you know, this is what I want to do, but I'm concerned. What would you say to someone like that? Healthy coping mechanisms. Three words that should be burned into the, the front of everybody's brain upon graduation or upon the application process. Um, you know, if, if you know that you have anxiety issues or you know that you're struggling with depression, that's not an end all be all for telling you, oh, sorry, you can't have this class of careers. Um, you have to learn to deal with whatever the issues are that you have because they are individual and specific to you, regardless of it being a blanket diagnosis. 
Um, you know, if, if you know that you have certain struggles, find a way to work with those struggles and come up with healthy coping mechanisms that help mitigate those struggles ahead of time so that you can bring yourself back to like a baseline zero before adding on the additional stress of taking on a career. And it doesn't just have to be a career in public safety. There's stress taking on a career anywhere in any field, especially when you already have anxiety and depression. Um, I've had severe debilitating anxiety my entire life. And believe it or not, despite where I am now, I did manage to have a, a pretty bang up, awesome career that I don't regret for a second. Um, and I chose to walk away. I was not forced out. Um, it's important to to manage that ahead of time and and to know your boundaries, to know your triggers, to know the things that really perpetuate your struggles and start that ball rolling each time that you do have a round of struggle, know how to manage it, know how to handle it, know who to turn to, to help you treat it and to help get out of that hole as quick as you fell into it. Um, so that you can kind of build that, that emotional stamina, um, and to have really that insight in yourself and that self-awareness of, okay, I'm having a bad day. I need this, and this is going to help me fix it. And make sure that whatever that this is, is a healthy version of a coping skill and not booze or drugs or, you know, women or whatever. Um, you know, you don't want to go down the, the unhealthy road. Make sure that you have healthy habits going into it. That's the most important thing and really the only thing that's that's going to really ultimately take care of that concern is, is to have healthy coping skills. Eat healthy, act healthy, do healthy things, and you'll be fine. You're going to have a great long career. And, you know, as long as you have an understanding of the importance of mental health, you're fine. You're all set. Yeah, very good. I, I appreciate you uh, sharing that with a couple of the new guys. Uh, hopefully there's a lot of new guys, but <laughs> listening to this. So uh, thank you for that. Well, that concludes the uh, main question portion of our interview today. I really want to thank you for providing all that information. It was absolutely amazing. And I hope that people uh, are rapidly following you guys on Instagram and, and all these amazing things, because I, I think you guys have an amazing service and I, I hope it only continues to grow. Thank you Thank so much. You. Yeah, absolutely. So from there, we're going to, you know, this is a very serious topic, um, but we're going to go to some a little bit more fun. This section is called signal three where I work. That's called That's what a hit and run is. So what we'll do since we've got two of you guys, I'll ask you the question and then you both can give me your answer. Are you ready for it? <laughs> oh, let's do this. Bring it on. All right. So with this, uh, don't think too hard about it. Just literally what, whatever comes to your mind, just blurt it out. Rapid All right, here we go. Exactly. All right. First one, if you could identify with any sandwich, what would it be and why? <laughs> uh, turkey sandwich, definitely turkey sandwich. It's the only meat that I can eat. And I love, love a turkey sandwich. I'm gluten-free bread though. Cause you know, I have celiac. BLT. Oh. Gotta have the bacon. Oh, good gross. mayonnaise, we're good. <laughs> I think I'm with George with that one. Yes! Sorry. Yes! <laughs> I, I, boring. I can't help it. No, turkey's good, but you can't beat a classic BLT. <laughs> All right, what is your dream vacation destination? Private island, no kids, and like unlimited cash. Yeah, black sand beaches, no kids, no work, no people. <laughs> I can't deal with people. Just black sand beaches, lots of water, lots of sun, and that's it. Yeah, the more disconnected, the better. Yes, but we can't fly there because I, I can't get on an airplane. But so if we could walk there or sail there, I'd be fine. <laughs> all right, so so you just take a sailboat and you'll be all set. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a hovercraft. Uh, favorite movie? Uh, v for Vendetta. John Wick. Of course. 
Okay. Yep. That's a, that's a popular one with everyone I'm interviewing. <laughs> what would be your go-to day off drink? Fanta orange soda. Cause I don't do alcohol. Uh, shoot. You like that whiskey stuff or that rum from Florida when, I, when we got yes. on vacation? Uh, we, we were in St. Augustine and got some pineapple, pineapple rum. rum. It is very good. Very nice. Beautiful area up there. Absolutely <laughs> oh yeah. It's area. great. We'll text yeah, you where we got it. it. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Let's see. I guess this one will be more for George, but you know, feel free to chime in Stephanie. Uh, what was your most embarrassing bonehead rookie move? <laughs> oh, there's been so many. Oh, <laughs> So, uh, beside locking the keys in the car, uh, I was mm. on a call that was going sideways very quickly. Uh, and I, our code for officer in trouble is 10-0. I called a 10-0. <laughs> My sergeant literally looks at me and says, cancel it. So I go on the radio, still holding the mic going, disregard. The cavalry <laughs> still came, um, but people are like, what the hell? I'm like, I... I thought we needed it and we still needed like six guys to take this guy into custody, but I called a 10 zero and canceled it all in the same breath. Tell him what your nickname is now. Panic Fran. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. I had to. Thanks. So mine was, um, I was 18. I, it was like my first week working for a very, very large company that happens to be nationwide that covers EMS in our capital city. I let people figure out what that company is. Um, we had a, we got sent to an abdominal pain at a dialysis center and having come from like a small town volley service, I was like, oh, this could be a lot of things. And I'm playing through in my head exactly what I have to do for my evaluation. Mind you, I was brand spanking new doing this by myself. So um, we get into the dialysis center, come to find out she would be a very frequent flyer of mine in the years ahead in my career. But um, she was very sweet. We pull her over to our stretcher and in my head, I'm going through, okay, how to do the patient assessment and to make sure I hit all the points. Cause I have to impress my FTO who is standing exactly two feet behind me and is about half my height. And he looks at me and he's like, okay, what are you going to do? So I'm going through in my head. I'm like, okay, well, abdominal pain. So it goes through all my stuff and okay, I got to palpate the abdomen. Well, she had dialysis and it's peritoneal dialysis. So it goes through her abdomen. So of course it's going to be swollen and distended and rock hard because she just uh, had dialysis. I go to palpate her abdomen and she jumps and screams and all my FTO goes as well. That was rude. And I will never, ever forget that. And I'm still <laughs> friends with him to this day. And if he's listening, go ahead and laugh about it, Dave. It's cool. That's awesome. Um, what is your favorite cop movie? Mm. Die Hard. I don't know. Just in time I'm... for Christmas. Amen to that. I've never actually seen that, by the way. Don't look at me like Get that. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite cop movie. Super Troopers. No, that's stupid. I don't like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like slapstick comedy. I don't think I have one. Okay. That's I don't know. I have, I have my favorite series, which is Emergency. That's what got me started in EMS. But for oh, cops yeah. specifically, I'd say Adam 12. I freaking love Adam 12. Okay. How old are you? Classic. I'm 31, but me. <laughs> I can like Adam 12. TV Land's a thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although now TV Land has like stuff that I grew up with. Like everybody loves Raymond. Like It's I, so sad. The stuff that I grew up on is now on TV Land. It's, it's, that's bull. I can't, I can't take that. Right. Back. But you can't find a rerun for like, I love Lucy to save your life. No. Exactly. 
terrible. My my mom got me in all that stuff. I love Lucy, Honeymooners, all that yep. good stuff. <laughs> uh, what was your high school mascot? Eagle. Mm, I went to two high Well, technically I went to three high schools, but two main high schools because I was a pain in my mom's ass. So one of them was a bear because they grew up in a small town. And then the other one was a wildcat, which was also a small town, but they thought they were a lot bigger than they were. So I think the wildcat <laughs> was my favorite because those colors are blue and white, which is a whole lot better than maroon and gold. Eek, yeah. Don't, don't like that. No. Um, uh, what's your favorite donut flavor? Strawberry frosted with sprinkles from Dunkin' Donuts. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cop. I can say that. You're supposed to like yeah, bagels. No, now. Cool. This is a new time. No, and you guys are from the New England area, so it has to be something Dunkin' related, right? That's I like know. the rule. Starbucks is gross, and Krispy Kreme is just too much. No, don't no, no. Krispy no. Kreme is gross. <laughs> too much sugar. Mm. No, no, because you got to get it when it's hot and ready. Then you don't taste the sugar. It's just pure deliciousness. And it, like, yep. Melts in your mouth. Yep. They're all gone here, so enjoy every bite while you can if you still have them in Florida. Really? They got rid of Krispy Kreme up there? Yeah, there's yep, none up all here. Gone. You can get them in the grocery store oh. and like prepackaged stuff, but they're nasty, mm-hmm. according to my kids. I, they, they can be if you just take them from the box, but if you put them on like a, like a paper plate and you warm them up, it's just like you got them straight from the oven. So <laughs> I'll have to tell them that. Little, you know, little grocery store trick. Um, all right. What do you choose if you really are, if you need something, energy drinks, coffee, or something else? Monster. You and your monster. Um, something else. I just stick with soda. I don't do all the energy drinky stuff. Caffeine free okay. soda too, no less. Oh, geez. See, that's the opposite of me. It has to have more caffeine, the better. Yep. I used to live on Mountain Dew and I would drink it by the case every day and it was disgusting. And then I just, one day I couldn't drink it anymore. It just tasted like crap out of nowhere after like a really bad cold that I had and I've never been able to do it since. Uh, all right. So if you were going to come into anything, the big moment, what's your walk on song? Mm. That's, That's a good one. Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> <laughs> what? Dude, I grew up on a farm oh show and livestock. God. How could I not walk on a Cotton Eye Joe? I, anything from so, the WWE album. I Just all of those, <laughs> you know, we're good with that. I, I don't have a specific okay. song. Okay, that, that'll work. Or like uh, Jock Jams. That's another good Yes, one. there you go. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's see. What was your childhood dream job? Paramedic. Police officer. Really? From Jump? Yep. Absolutely. There was very, nothing else I very, ever wanted to do. That's great. It's, I mean, that that's really good. Um, who's your favorite Looney Tune? Mm. Bugs Bunny. I don't have one. I thought it was stupid, to be honest. <sighs> Again? What is going <laughs> on? <laughs> we're already married. You guys are going to have to seek that uh, couples counseling thing. I know. <laughs> no, we're, 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 you know, we're gonna we're gonna sort this out over a game of Call of Duty, and she'll probably still spank me. So I'll, whatever, I'll destroy him. <laughs> It'll be fine. What is the proudest moment in your career? Mm, in my career, being promoted uh, and having uh, a very important person pin me. And it wasn't me, folks, and I was okay with it. Um, probably graduating basic training back in 2007 because um my father basically told me flat out he didn't think i could do it nice it's always good when you get to prove people wrong absolutely yes and my father was not a very nice person so i was very happy to show him up very good all right this one eh, i don't know how this one will go describe Mm -hmm. your significant other in one word (laughs) 
<laughs> you guys are in striking distance. This could this could be. No, <laughs> no, we're good. One you minute. go first. That'll depend on what I say. <laughs> Loving. Pig-headed. Wow. Wow. I go for the compliment. She goes for below the belt. I see how this relationship. No, I'm kidding. I love you, but it's true. You're pig-headed. I am. I'm, I'm stubborn. stubborn as a mule, so it's fine, but. <laughs> and that's why you guys work so well together. Exactly. <laughs> if you could share a meal with one person dead or alive that you never met, who would it be and what would you order? Mm. You go first. I need a minute. I would say Abraham Lincoln. And it would have to be chicken parm. I just absolutely love chicken parm. There you go. Mm, I'd have to say Queen Victoria. Because she's like one of my top five most interesting people. And I would have a gluten-free turkey dinner. (laughs) (laughs) She could eat whatever English slop she wants, but I I would eat good. (laughs) Nice. I like it. Best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? I don't know if I can necessarily say that it's advice, but I took it as advice. My mother would always tell me, and I hope to God she's not listening to me because I hate when she's right. She always used to tell me, um, she goes, be careful, child. Mother, uh, Mothers in the wild eat their young. And I always got pissed at her when she would say that to me. And then I had children, all daughters, by the way. And now that literally resonates every single day inside of the confines of my cranium. (laughs) So my dad would tell me very religiously, you are what your last name is. You can either bring great shame or great greatness to the family. Your dad said that? Damn. (laughs) <laughs> that's profound he's not that like profound anymore <laughs> he can be he was an engineer so literally a rocket scientist yes very much so oh, okay well, there you go yeah when i got sworn in our chief said you know you wear your name on one side of your chest and you wear our badge on the other one don't disgrace either so very similar to the yep. piece of advice he gave you yep. actually i do have one piece of advice that my um my military training instructor gave me after I got out of the military because we're friends on social media still for God knows what reason. Um, he said to me, he goes, um, stop trying to be better than everybody around you and start trying to be better than yourself. Yep. That's very true. Or, um, you know, only try to outdo yourself yesterday. That's another similar one I always hear. Yep. Um, all right. If you were given a mulligan or a do over, what is something in your life that you would do differently? Oh, Christ, I have so many of those. First marriage? I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say I would not marry my ex-husband. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, I, I definitely what is would your... do that again. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite late night snack? Mm, baked Lay's barbecue with sour cream on the side. Reese's peanut butter cups in the freezer. Yep. Uh, I'm with you with that one. All right, the final question. If you were stuck in a foxhole... Who would you want to help, or sorry, who would you want to be trapped with to help get you out? Definitely my husband, without a doubt. The dude's the most resourceful guy on the planet, even though he looks like a nerdy IT guy. Like, people would not pin him for someone that could, like, kill you before you realize you're dead, but he totally is. And he would be the greatest asset to that situation that I could ever come up with. See, there's your loving compliment, my thank, dear. Thank you. Much appreciated. <laughs> um, I would have to say my wife, because she <laughs> she legitimately, uh, I have seen her angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
she's got nothing on any of the animals in the world that strike out. Honey badger, don't honey, care. Yeah, honey badger ain't got nothing on my wife. So I would have to say my wife. She is my better half and my battle buddy. So Besties for life. <laughs> All right, George and Stephanie, this was absolutely an amazing conversation. We got a lot of great information out there, and I really hope people utilize your services. Um, I know I've reached out to you guys personally and and needed some resources, and you guys have definitely helped. So uh, I want to thank you for your time, and I want to thank you for your services. Absolutely. And can you do me a favor and just plug your social medias, plug your uh, your website, whatever it is you want to plug, and just go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us super easy at uh, www.project109.org. And that's got all of our stuff, including our virtual platform where you can create a a login and password and get on that with all the content. Um, Instagram is uh, at project.109 and Facebook is, um, I believe it's the project 109. Um, but either way, if you just type in project 109, you'll be able to see a a logo that looks pretty public safety esque and that's us. Um, so give us a follow, give us a like, uh, reach out to us. Um, we've got sweatshirts and uh, t-shirts and long sleeve shirts for sale, um, that are pretty sweet. You can get a hold of us on Instagram for those. And, uh, yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, we're here. We answer the phone 24 seven and we've got, um, a pretty solid social media platform. So um, definitely get in touch with us because we're here and we're the ones that you're going to talk to. So, Very good. And I can speak from firsthand account. Amazing, very helpful, and just great, genuine people. So once again, George and Stephanie with Project 109, thank you so much for your time and uh, you have a great night. You too. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Absolutely. No problem. And everyone listening, just stay tuned. We'll be right back. But I hadn't been forgotten, Joe. I've been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? But I hadn't been forgotten, Joe. I've been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? I want to thank George and Stephanie for really opening that door for us for this episode. Um, I encourage you, in fact, I beg you to go check out Project 109. And see if they can't help you with whatever it is you may be dealing with. Um, and, you know, it, it, they're an amazing free service. It, you're silly not to. Now, this whole episode has been one big code for check. Uh, but I do want to talk about a few things before we wrap up. I know this episode's long. I apologize. But hopefully you can see the quality of what I am providing. Listen, I know my podcast and my memes are kind of middle of the road. Uh, I'm not a training savant like Dennis Benino. Uh, I'm not funny like Mike the Cop or Officer Daniels or Deputy Hookham or all those guys. Uh, but what I am is a cop who en- thoroughly enjoys and loves the job and enjoys the kinds of people that I suit up with. And I also love entertaining people. When I started my page over a year ago, I had no idea the reach I would end up having. I had no desire to have a reach, to be honest. I was only doing it to save my memes from being stolen and plagiarized. But when I started having conversations, I think it was last November or December, with someone like Lamont Quarker, who's across the country, and he would tell me that my memes about cop life in Florida matched what he dealt with in Southern California was crazy. I didn't realize it was the same thing. But what really made me realize that I had something more here than just memes is when you amazing police officers started telling me that they weren't just these stupid jokes that 
you know, I'd make to pass time. I had someone who said their buddy was Officer Stephen Carr and that he was ambushed and murdered at their police station in Fayetteville, Arkansas on December 8th, 2019. And this guy told me that he wasn't handling it very well and that my memes were giving him strength to carry on. I remember receiving that message and I didn't know how to respond to him. I needed, he needed my full attention. He needed a good response. And I was very thankful that he reached out to me and I, I, we've had several conversations since, but it was very humbling. It was a very humbling situation. Or even now when someone tells me that his marriage is ending and life at his home is in shambles, but my jokes and this, this silly podcast gives him something to smile about. It really makes me thankful to have this platform and this opportunity to talk to you guys and help you guys when I can. It's the reason why I can't just walk away, no matter how uh, frustrated I may get with Instagram and their algorithms and, and the anti-cop narrative. Truth be told, you guys keep it going, and I, I want to thank you again. I, I was never trying to be this you know, mental health person. Um, I'm still not. Again, middle of the road. I'll, I'll just share my thoughts with you guys on a daily basis, which is what I do. But um, I'm, I'm very thankful that you guys have allowed me this opportunity for so long. So thank you. To continue today's Code 4 check, I want to push a book that has nothing to do with me. Um, I read it in one sitting because as I read it, it's about discipline. It's about self-control. And I felt like I had to. The book is How to Make Shit Happen by Sean Whalen. I've talked about it before. The subtitle is Make More Money, Get in Better Shape, Create Epic Relationships, Control Your Life, Do It Now. Uh, for those of you in the church of like Andy Frisella and 75 Hard, this is the exact same shit that he's talking about. As a matter of fact, I think he references Andy at one point. Well, anyway, I'm going to read an excerpt from the introduction because it's one thing for me to tell you, hey, read this book. It's another one for me to say, this is why. Um... This is what he says. It's, it's, I think he gets explicit. It's an explicit book. Listen, if you're a cop and you have problems with curse words, no, this is not for you. I'm sorry. But anyway, he goes, I don't have every answer. What I do have is real life experience with suicide, depression, business, bankruptcy, making millions, losing millions, building a business from scratch, divorce, lawyers and courts, rebuilding with my ex, being a father, owning multiple companies while being a good dad and a whole bunch of other fun and crazy shit. Uh, I have done all this coaching and teaching around one strong or no one single principle I learned from my coaches, which I have practiced and mastered through my own personal journey, a tool which has helped me accomplish not only all that cool stuff I just mentioned, but has helped me build an amazing relationship and friendship with my ex-wife, a tool that has helped me become a better, more connected father, and most of all, helped me build a, uh, a life where I can, where I am in control. I control my day. I control my finances. I control my body and fitness. I learned how to get exactly what I want in all the areas of my life. Um, I will tell you that I've had some issues in the past couple months that I've been struggling with. Um, not going to get too personal with it, but reading that book, at the end of every chapter, he tells you what to do. He says, do it now. And I, like everyone that probably did read that book, was like, ah, I'll get around to it. Like, no, you know what? I'm going to do it now. And I did. I sat down and did a couple things that he said from that. And 
the instant return was amazing. So if you're having some issues with coworkers, with just people in your life, your your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, read this book. It was like I think it was under ten dollars. Go get it. Amazon obviously free shipping. Read it and and let me know what you think. I think uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised what this book offers. All right, the last thing I'm going to talk about today, and then we are going to GTFO yesterday. So today is December 2nd that I'm recording this, and tomorrow the episode will be released, December 3rd. But yesterday, December 1st, um, I was lucky enough to attend Street Cop Training's Proactive Patrol for the second time. This one was in Florida, so I got my uh, Florida case law, which is completely different from Georgia. Just want to throw that out there. So again, I saw saw good old Dennis Benino and... Uh, absolutely amazing. He, uh, you can't sit through that class and then leave and not want to go arrest the world because he's just a great motivator for police. Dennis, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get off my knees in a second. I know, I know you'd like that, <laughs> but no, in, in all honesty, it was an amazing class as always. I want to thank him for allowing me to, to come to it. And <laughs> he, he singled me out. He called me out. Um, so for the first time ever, people that don't know who I am, knew who I was. Uh, so he, he identified the, the mysterious 10, eight, the man behind the curtain. And I want to give a shout out to the two guys that, uh, came up and said hi and got some stickers. And, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll slowly start peeling back that curtain a little bit, a little bit. Don't get crazy. So anyway, um, it was nice seeing you guys. Thank you to the Seminole County Sheriff's office for hosting that. And thank you for, again to Dennis and street cop for allowing me to come see it. And he had one quote, that I'm going to leave you with. And I, I wrote it in my little notebook as he was talking, which I mean, I could have, I should have just transcribed the whole thing because it's amazing, but not doing that. Go take his class. It's worth it. Do it. He said, if you think life's not fair, being a cop is 50 times more unfair. You can think about it any way you want. You know, the, the wrong guy gets promoted. You don't get the special unit you want. You know, we catch a bad guy and he gets let out because, you know, the prosecutor didn't want to argue the case. Whatever. Bunch of different things. If you think life's not fair, being a cop is 50 times more unfair. But you know what? We sign up, we suit up, and we go to work. Thank you guys very much. Please, if you haven't already, rate, review, subscribe, whichever way you can do it. Uh, keep rating us on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whichever. Um, we get those numbers up, we get more exposure, um, share it with your friends, your coworkers, whatever, share the memes and, and tell them, Hey, he's got a good podcast too, whatever. Just, just please get the word out there. Um, we are cooking as far as numbers go. And I'm, I'm so appreciative next week. Haha. Should put like a real drum roll there. Next week is a very, 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 very special episode as we are doing drunk cops episode one. That's right. So I've got couple cops and their special guests. I'm not saying who it's going to be until day of, but we're going to get together over the wonderful internet and we're going to have a few drinks and we're going to have a few laughs and you guys are going to get to witness all of it. Um, maybe I might have to censor some things, but either way, you are going to want to listen to this episode. It's going to be fun. If you've liked the past episodes I've done, you will like this one maybe even more. It's I'm trying to build up the hype because it is, I'm hyped. Okay. We haven't even done the interview. 
We're doing that on Friday. I, I can't wait. It's going to be great. You guys need to check it out. Check out my merch store for some merch. Again, you can put in the code Black Friday for 30% off your entire order. Today is the last day. So this Thursday, whatever whatever day, if you listen to it on Friday, you it's, it's done. I turned it off. But Thursday, 30% off. Use the code Black Friday. All one word. That's it, guys. That's all I got. Be safe out there. Take care of each other. 10-8. Out. I feel this darkness creep like thunder. It's rolling straight into my spine. I feel temptation pull me under. My gold has lost all of its shine. I try so hard.